Hey, it's the Real Estate Steps Podcast. Welcome to your number one resource for real estate information. Hey, everybody. We're here once again for another episode of Real Estate Steps. And we have the MBA here, Nick, Bob, and Amir. So we're going to talk about some interesting topics. Nick, what are you going to talk about today? I'm going to talk about uh, the changes in the FHA loans. Changes in the FHA loans. Okay. And uh, Amir, what are you going to be talking about today? I will be talking because um, it's getting more and more competitive getting off um, offer accepted if you're a buyer. Okay. And then I'm going to talk about appraisers. How to make sure that your appraisal comes in at value and at least uh, you know give it a helping hand a little bit. Without getting into trouble. No. Without threats. <laughs> <laughs> Threatening the appraisal. Yeah, it's giving them a thing, you know, with a little bit of money. Oh, no, no, no money. <laughs> anyway. A little bit of cash. <laughs> a little bit of cash. Free tickets to a Rivercats game? I don't know. Um, hey, so go ahead, Nick. Let's, uh, let's start with you. All right, I'll start. Um, so a report that came out says that share of borrowers with DTIs above 50% rises to highest level since 2000. Okay, and they're specifically talking about uh, FHA loans. FHA loans, uh, Federal Housing Administration loans. Uh, these are government guaranteed loans that any bank can do, but the government will guarantee these loans. DTI, Amir, let's let's talk about DTI is debt to income. Oh, okay, okay. The, the amount of uh, debt you have compared to your income, it's that ratio. So they're saying that they're actually going up to 50%, which is you know. It's pretty high because what's the average DTI for conventional loans, Amir? Is it uh, 45 or so? I think it's 45, yeah. 45. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, and I remember when it was, when I was years ago doing loans, I mean, uh, it was like 35 and 40. That was pushing it. Uh, so we've seen the DTIs come up. So uh, pretty much 50% DTI, meaning uh, 50% of, uh, of your income, income going, can be the mortgage payment. Going towards your mortgage payment, yeah. uh, which is risky. That in itself, I mean, think about that. You know, half your income goes towards mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that, that in yeah. itself is risky. Uh, the idea behind the change is to look more closely at our being originated in the market to try to lessen the risk factor of the FHA's flagship insurance fund okay so their concern is that uh, because of the DTI ratios and because more and more borrowers are are getting FHA loans with lower FICO scores that's creating a higher risk factor and mm-hmm. they're going to discuss that here uh, it says uh, the agency appears to be loosening its lending standards and backing loans for increasingly riskier borrowers so what do they mean by that riskier borrower is someone with a lower FICO score okay uh, according to the FHA's quarterly report for fiscal second quarter, um, which covers January 1, 2019 through March 2019, the average credit score an FHA borrower fell to 665 in the second quarter. Uh, that's the lowest level since 2008. Now I'm looking at a chart here. Uh, it's interesting because in 2008, FHA FICO scores were right around 625. Okay, it's an mm-hmm. interesting chart, and I'll show it to you guys later. So it, it ramps up, uh, and that was, uh, you know, the beginning of the end. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's when everything, uh, you know, fell off the, the, the cliff. Mm-hmm. The scores had to go back up for FHA loans to like 680, 700, and now they're, they're tapering, da- tapering back down to 665. Uh, that doesn't mean that they can't do FHA uh, with scores in the 620. I think 620 is the lowest right now that they'll go. 
Okay. Is six twenty? I thought it was six forty. Uh, six twenty, six forty. Depending again, depending on the lender and how much risk they want to take. Right. Uh, while lending to borrowers with credit scores below six forty continues to rise. Okay. Uh, so, it, yeah, it talks about, uh, I'm sorry, according to the FHA report, the share of 680 to 850 credit scores continues to decline while lending to borrowers with credit scores below 640 continues to rise, okay? So, again, they're, they're concerned that there's this risk factor by doing this. In 2011, nearly 60% of borrowers had credit scores above 680, so it ramped back up, Okay. Uh, now only 34% of FHA borrowers have credit scores above 680. So it's starting to come, come down. Meanwhile, the share of FHA lending to borrowers with credit scores below 640 has increased to 30%. So again, we're, we're seeing that it's coming down uh, and the, the guys with lower credit scores is starting to go up. Uh, this increase shows a much riskier population of mortgages being endorsed by FHA. Sure. It's a little bit confusing, uh, mis, uh, misleading, because um, if you have a foreclosure less than seven years, right, you have to go FHA. Right. So, uh, and then your FICO score maybe it could be seven hundred. Right. Uh, you know, so that's uh, that's why. So you you have no other option. You have no other FHA. options. That's right. right. That's right. And that that's right. That that is very true. Um, a sharp increase among the loans with high debt to income ratios, meaning borrowers have taken on more debt. Um, compared with income levels. In 2018, nearly 25% of all FHA purchase mortgages had DTI ratios above 50%. Okay, so, you know, the DTIs now are, are, are getting higher. Um, and borrowers with DTIs above 50% continued increasing in the second quarter, climbing to 28% of all FHA purchase loans. Uh, FHA notes in its report that this increase shows that its loans are getting riskier. Well, yeah, you know, your DTIs are getting higher mm-hmm. uh, and your, your FICO scores are getting lower. So, yeah, you're going to have riskier loans. Uh, FHA's average DTI has been increasing steadily since the middle of 2017. But despite the increased risks in FHA lending, the loan doesn't appear to be all that popular. So here's here, this is kind of a weird thing that according to the agency, FHA lending actually fell by nearly 12% in the second quarter. So I think a lot of that is because uh, more and more conventional loans are going with lower down payments. Conventional right. loans with as little as 5% down. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them I've seen, I've seen a few with 3%. I mean, there's certain things. They still have mortgage insurance, but a mortgage, mortgage insurance with uh, conventional loans, I think is less and it's not as bad as FHA. When you get mortgage insurance with FHA, it's on there for the life of the loan. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you refinance and get out of that loan. So it doesn't right. matter what your equity position is. With conventional loans, um, you may have mortgage insurance, but as the equity in the house changes, you can get rid of that mortgage insurance. And again, depending on the lenders, so some of them don't allow you have to refi as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and depending on the lenders, that's yeah. true too. So uh, they said uh, FHA endorsed... Uh, 201,799 forward mortgages for insurance in the second quarter, a decrease of 11.78% from the prior quarter. That's the smallest number of new FHA loans in a quarter since 2015. They're concerned about FHA, and let's talk about a little bit about FHA. Uh, most people, I think the attractive factor of FHA is that you can get a loan for 3.5% down. 
Right. right. Okay. We see that a lot uh, with first-time home buyers that don't have that large uh, down payment. Their underwriting rules are not as strict. You can gift some of those funds for the down payment. The debt-to-income ratios are a little bit higher. So it helps the borrower. Okay. Also, you can have you can qualify with lower FICO scores. So it's interesting they're talking about this because they're saying, okay, well, you know, the FICO scores are coming down. We're, we're seeing an increase of people using FHA loans with lower FICO scores, and our debt-to-income ratio has increased. So it, it causes a concern, but in the overall effect, less people are getting FHA loans. So reading this, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, what does that mean? Is it is it a specific niche for a certain segment of people? What what does this all mean? What are your thoughts? I think one of the biggest things is where the region is. I think matters too. I always have to think about number one. Our podcast is about the Sacramento market, <laughs> and in different areas, that is going to have a much bigger effect because when we get offers, who's at the bottom of the list in consideration? You know, I know, I know what you're saying. A lot of people are going to say FHA, right? But I, I don't always look at it like that. I look at the whole offer. I look at the complete offer, mm-hmm. and I, I always call the lender and I go, "Okay, what's going on with this guy? What's he really doing? What's he really asking for? You know, uh, position-wise, where's he from? Does he have uh, added income? What if the appraisal comes in lower? Mm-hmm. Okay, can he compensate? Does he have income to compensate for that? Right. Um, and you, but you're right. A lot of people. Uh, would prefer conventional over FHA loans. And yeah, because conventional automatically says it's a higher tier. In other words, the conventional standards that they have are going to be higher, and so that the, your buyer is going to be more qualified. But what we're, we're seeing typically is multiple offers, whereas if you go into other regions in the country, they're happy to get one bo- yes. one offer to come in. Yeah, true. <laughs> And so an FHA yeah. is like, okay, sure, well, you know, let's roll because they're happy to get an offer. And so that, to me, is what I is one of the interesting things. And so perhaps in in economies in other states or other regions, then yes, then that's going to be the riskier loans are going to start appearing more, and they're going to start lowering that to help try to for, for the market to pick up a little bit and, and that sort of thing. But. I mean, that's my thoughts on that, right? Yeah, you, you're right. So, and on the other, other thing, what uh, you're saying, we have less FHA offers, right? Right. So, if you look, uh, for example, condominium complexes, you know, uh, condos, yeah. uh, uh, and the HOA. So, I would guess probably 60 to 70% of HOA uh, complex, uh, economy, condo complexes are not FHA approved. Right. Right. So uh, you automatically eliminating sixty to seventy percent chances to go with FHA. Right. In addition to some cl- uh, people, they, they don't qualify con- for conventional. So that con- combination actually equals less FHA yeah. uh, loans in general. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And again, like we mentioned uh, in, in one of our other podcasts, um, all of this is going to change when the market shifts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then people are going to be happy to take FHA loans. <laughs> exactly. exactly. When no offers anyway, are coming yeah. in, right. they're going to go, oh, yeah, we'll take FHA. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> do we have a choice? Uh, okay, yeah, we'll do ta- we'll, Yes, let's do it. <laughs> but, you know, if somebody can go conventional, of course, they're going to go con- conventional, so especially if they can get rid of uh, mortgage insurance. But it's interesting, conventional. Let's talk about that a little bit, how we've seen that change, okay? Um, how, it, I mean, used to be, Conventional was 20% down. 
Okay, right. then they started getting creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think be, it's because they were losing business to FHA. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and I'm not even going to talk about the VA. That's a whole other animal out there. Okay, but I, I believe it's because they were losing business to FHA. So, so they said, well, you know, okay, let's let's start doing stuff like, you know, okay, let's bring in mortgage insurance. Uh, it's so it's interesting to see how the loans have changed. Yeah, there's a lot of talk, and I watch the loan industry. And I always make the joke, okay, when are we going to go back to stated income, stated assets? <laughs> Those loans are back. They're coming back. Yeah. We're laughing about it, yeah, but no, they're I, coming back. I was just reading an article in Business Journal before we okay. started about that, that some of these loans are coming back. Yeah. The risk, the risky loans, yeah. So, which means, I mean, obviously not to the level like we had before. If we start getting more and more of these loans, so the next crash. <laughs> Point of the article, though, that I was reading is that the, the main banks aren't, they're not in it. It's it's some of the other, uh, I don't know what you call them, hybrid banks that are out there. But the major banks aren't touching that stuff. Yet. Yet. <laughs> but they were mandated to do it back then in 2005, so... That was kind of, that was kind of crazy. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this yeah. whole thing morphs. So yeah, I thought I'd put that out there, uh, you know, because it was interesting when I see stuff like that happening. I go, okay, what are they really doing? Here? Yeah, what's happening? What's there? really going on? Um, and so uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, Amir, we were talking about the whole multiple offer thing. What tips do you have about for people? Good to- question. So in Sacramento, very often we see multiple offers. Um, Average is, uh, what, 29, 30 days in the market. So it went down from 45, 49. So more and more buyers are in the market, especially in summertime. Mm-hmm. So if you're right now looking to buy a house, you will have a harder time to get an offer accepted. You're competing against uh, cash buyers. You're competing against somebody who's putting a high down payment, uh, a very strong buyer. So so even if you cash yourself, there's a good chance there's going to be another cash. So... Uh, it's uh, harder and harder to get a, a house ex- in contract, especially in summertime. So now, from uh, my experience, and I, I know, uh, Bob, you had a good uh, experience yourself. So a uh, good idea is actually setting up, uh, sending the letter coming from the buyer. Uh, ideally, uh, buyer writing a letter directly to the seller, uh, more on the you know, emotional note and family. If you have small kids, you know, looking to uh, grow your family there, kids to go to school. If you're downsizing, you're looking to retire there, etc. So this um, can just help. Uh, uh, you know, it cannot uh, do any harm. So it will, it will be just able to help. And I I was able to get multiple, multiple buyers in uh, contract and getting them dream home uh, just with a letter. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know you just got a good experience yourself, you know, buying a house out of state. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, that's interesting because we had a lot of factors that were not in our favor, okay? And so we had a house that we were, we just found it. It only been on the market for five days. The market was pretty brisk in this town in Arizona. And so we were going, okay, well, we know we're going to have to come in with a contingent offer. And how are we going to wow them so that they would go ahead and, and take our offer, move forward with us, and we saw the house on a Thursday, they were going to have an open house on Saturday. And so our objective was, I want them to cancel the open house. (laughs) I'm going to take our offer, cancel the open house. And so part of what we did uh, was write a letter. And there's, I have a real specific structure of how to write a letter uh, for that. And so we did that, included a photograph. 
And we also threw a, uh, another thing with our earnest money deposit. We said, it's yours after the inspection contingency. You're going to take a risk with us. We'll take a risk with you. So you waived the loan contingency. We didn't waive the loan contingency. We said that the, we released the deposit okay. after the inspection contingency. So it, it's theirs. It's their money now. If the deal fell through or whatever, it's their money after the, after the inspection contingency. And so not after appraisal loan. Correct. Not after appraisal, not after loan, right up front. It's, it's your money if, if we fall through. And so that made an impression on them. But what it did, though, is they connected with us because they went above and beyond in the repairs on the home. And I, I, w- I was stunned. And the, and the comment that I got from my agent was that he goes, I want, the, the, the seller said, I want them to be happy with this home. Well, why would they have that emotion? You see, why would they have that connection? Because of the letter. Because of the letter. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yet my agent said, ah, you don't need a letter here. You know, it's, and I, no, 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 no. It's, you, you, don't, you don't understand. It, it connects that way. Um, I recently uh, had a listing and the two offers came in. No, no letter, no nothing, no information. And I had, and both offers were 50-50. And the only way, the only thing I could go off of was that the one had a higher down payment. That was it. And I thought, yeah. and the one we turned down, uh, the agents called me. They were saying, all oh, our clients are distraught. I mean, they're, you know, the wife's in tears because they wanted the house so bad. I said, um, why didn't you send me a letter? Why didn't you tell me about your clients? Why didn't you do something for me to connect? The agent called you? The agent called me. You, the seller? They called me. I'm the, I was a listing agent. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Yep. And they said, why did we lose out? And I told them, I said, you didn't do this, 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 or this. And they went, oh, my word. You know, I said, oh, that's, that's so true. And I went, you're right. But you have to go in the, with the fact that you're always in a 50-50 tie with somebody. Right. How do you separate yourself? And... One thing I learned from another agent is the typical thing that, that agents do when they, you know, like, let's say you, you're, you're the buyer's agent, you call the listing agent, and the first thing they say is, oh, how many offers do you have? And they're going, eh, that's what everybody says. What this other agent taught me was, what's most important to your seller? And that question, I, I asked that to this one agent in the transaction, and she was kind of snarky, go uh, to sell their house, you know, ding dong. And I went, and I said, uh, yeah, of course. But what's most important to them? I just kept going. What's important to them? And so then she, you know, got, you know, got past her arrogance, and, and and then she started talking to me about the seller. And as I learned that, I said, okay, now let's craft the letter according to what. I learned about the seller, what's nice. important to the seller. Nice. And so then by doing that, she had multiple offers and multiple cash offers. Hmm. And we came in with cash offer. And we won the bid. Listing agent said, it was your letter. Wow. I got that exact feedback on that. To me, that's one of the powerful tools in your arsenal that you can bring as a buyer's agent to get your deals done. But the idea is learn about your seller. And, and the agent will tell you about that. It's not, ask simple questions, just being 
getting that connection. So then the, the, the seller's agent realizes, okay, you're not just a jerk, you know, you're, you're not just after the numbers, okay? You're actually... Yeah, it makes, makes huge, huge uh, uh, difference. So if you're listening to this and then uh, um, if uh, your agent is not sending the uh, letter, uh, make sure you write a letter and give to the agent to send to, to, uh, with your offer. So right. that will make make a difference. And, and include yeah. a picture with it. Yes. And then when you submit your offer and you tell the listing agent, please print this out and share it with them. Send Correct. it to, you know, so that they have something in their hand, if you can. I mean, if it's all digital, I understand that. But please make sure they get that letter. And you don't just assume that they're going to do that because even most agents are like, ah, yeah, what, what's the numbers? You know, and all they want to do that. You are intentional about telling them about the letter. And that's right. another thing because they'll just kind of like bypass it through. But <laughs> You know, sometimes letters can be detrimental to. I had a seller. He refused a guy because in his letter he mentioned he was an attorney. <laughs> and he says, I'm not selling to him. <laughs> yeah, if you're an attorney, you don't mention that. Yeah. Don't mention you're an attorney. Right. But if you had called and, and talked and found out what's important to the seller. Yeah. They didn't do that. Then yeah. then you would you would know what you're aiming for. And and that's huge because you're right. If I mean, people have different uh, values, different mindsets. And so you've got to discover those mindsets and values and then, and then figure out how do you create that bridge. Um, and if you have you know, somebody that are completely opposite values and you're going, ah, snap, what are we going to do? They're, human nature is human nature. You connect with things that are, that yeah. are neutral. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. But anyway. Yeah. That's <laughs> so what are the techniques, Amir? So no, this is uh, one of the uh, best uh, to get your offer accepted. Yeah. So, uh, because you're competing, you always make assumption you're competing against at least one other buyer. So, like uh, Bob said, a uh, fifty-fifty, um, and then uh, you you have to do your best shot in order to get offer accepted. Yeah, most likely it's going to be more than one competitor. Uh, competitor. So, mm -hmm. and uh, another thing that buyer's agent did, that which I told him, I said it was it was too goofy. The offer was too complicated, and keeping the offer clean is another big point. Yeah. Um, they were going to split all of the fees. And then I sat there and I went, you know, I had to sit there and get my calculator out and try to figure out, well, what's the value of you all, you know, splitting all these fees. And I said, if you'd have just thrown me an extra grand in the offer, instead of making me have to, <laughs> you know, it, that would have been a much bigger thing. But, um, anyway, you've got some, uh, information or tips working with appraisers. Yeah, this is actually good, uh, uh, good uh, topic because uh, with appraisals you can, um, uh, with bad appraisals you can lose transaction. Yeah, yeah. Right. What can an agent do to keep that from happening? And right. one of the things that I've well, learned is stay in contact with the lender. If you're the listing yeah. agent, stay in contact with the lender. Very important. On a regular basis, and say, and you tell them, I want to be there when the appraisal comes. But you got to get ahead of that. You can't do that the day of or whatever. But you let them know this is what I would, would like to do. But or if you, if you want to go on the safe side, so you remove the key from the lockbox, right? And then uh, you make uh, uh, not uh, you know call agent. Correct. Yeah. And you can do that as well. And especially if the home, if the home has has had upgrades done, okay, 
clearly it doesn't matter if the home hasn't had upgrades but if, you, if you're trying to get top dollar you're trying to get a good appraisal the idea is being having a uh, an information sheet yeah. ready to go a simple one nothing complex detailing what the upgrades were and then right. when you're with uh, with the appraiser you just simply you merely point out the areas and say this this part of the flooring is luxury vinyl plank this is just laminate okay this over here is granite this is and these things were put in uh six months ago okay they they appreciate that because it makes their job easier makes their job easier but when you did the upgrades is very important how you when you communicate that and then you know we, we this was done here this was done there this was done back in you know this time period this time period this time period and so by doing that, then they, what, the, what I learned is that uh, appraisers will grade a house from one to five, five being the top and one being, you know, three being average and one being poor. And if they see good flooring, if they see that you've, you've done multiple upgrades to a home, then they're going to much more likely rate the home at a higher level. And that higher level is what's going to affect when they go to do the comps to compare things when they rate a house um, on an appraisal sheet, they will rate what that what the value of the house is, and and so the if the comp is a three, then they'll subtract money off of that based upon that. Even though it's square footage and has carpeting, it's only a three because it's just the carpeting's old and that sort of thing. You give them an information sheet and you tell them the age of the upgrades. That's good because it creates uh, a certain level of comfort with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember that appraisals are a matter of opinion, okay? And I, right. I've gone many times, talked to people about this. Well, how come my appraisal came in lower? Or how can I say because, you know, it's a matter of opinion and they base it on what's happening in the market right now. Right. Okay, not what happened three years ago. It's what's going on right now. Right. Okay. So, again, if you're in a downturn market, and homes in the area are coming down in value, uh, chances are your home that may have been valued higher a year or two years ago uh, might be a little bit lower right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, you know, people have to take that into consideration. And yeah, not every appraisal is accurate. Uh, and there have been instances uh, where sometimes you've got to, if there is a question about value, I mean, we have a right to question it and uh, bring up additional information that they may have missed. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have a right to do that as agents. Right. Uh, have Have you butted heads with appraisers? Uh, yes, many times. Unfortunately, <laughs> they uh, they would never uh, adjust. It's very hard to get them adjust yeah. uh, appraisal because uh, nobody likes to admit on mistakes. That's right. so it's a human nature. So I had one instance um, uh, in uh, Rancho Cordova here. So the appraisal we got three different appraisals. So one appraisal came. Uh, uh, 5% under the asking price. Other appraisal came 5% under this appraisal, which is 10% under the asking price. And then the, other, the third one came at asking price. So between three appraisals, you have plus minus 5%, which is a 10% uh, uh, difference, right? On $400,000 house, it's $40,000 difference Jeez. in the value within three weeks. So... Uh, like Nick, you said, it's a uh, um, it's opinion. It's yeah. not really. It's not black and white. It's, it's not, not like uh, sitting down and calculating math. Uh, you know, yeah. calculation, right? So it's it's only one way. It's correct way. So no, it's uh, it's opinion. Um, different appraisals take uh, uh, different adjustments. 
on the upgrades and then absolutely 100% I agree with uh, with you Bob so that uh, we need to be present there especially listing agent because listing agent is familiar with the house uh, due to the relationship with the seller um, so appraisal doesn't know if the tile is uh, Italian tile you know 15 20 bucks a, a square foot versus 99 cents a square foot right so uh, all this uh, should be pointed out so that uh, higher upgrades and they will not adjust for the amount but they will adjust for portion proportionally or, or percentage whatever they have so but they will adjust and help the value uh, of the house right so unfortunately we have a bad appraisals we have a good appraisals right so that's like with any industry so so and then i lost quite a few transactions because of bad appraisals you know because they didn't want to adjust and if you have fha appraisal fha appraisal stays connected with the house for you know six months you cannot dispute yeah that's locked in yeah. that's <laughs> yeah that's actually back to your first topic that's one other additional reason why people um prefer conventional, prefer conventional yeah. because if uh, uh, fha appraisal and then if you really have a better appraisal in the house listed for four hundred thousand, fha appraisal comes at 360 now you are uh, locked at 360 yeah. for six months six yeah. months yeah <laughs> well great guys that's great good topics uh all right so uh we'll catch you next time all right all Thanks, right guys. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Steps Podcast. We'll be back next week with some fresh topics about real estate news that's pertinent and relevant to you. You can follow us at Facebook or Twitter at Real Estate Steps. Be sure to subscribe to us at your favorite podcast streaming site. Also, you can follow us at realestatesteps.net. Contact us, email us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next week.